There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm L.O.G. Nerlick. I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. I'm Rosie. This is Martina Navratilova. This is Mark Forbes. I'm Andy Murray. You're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. I am Catherine Whitaker, and at the time of recording this, we have just a few hours left of our 2018 Kickstarter campaign to fund this podcast throughout the tennis year. We have been completely overwhelmed. I know we keep saying that, David, but we keep becoming more and more overwhelmed every time we say it. More than 500 backers now. We finally exceeded the number of backers uh, that we have last year. There is still time to chip in if you want to, but if you don't, you know, it's okay. We have reached our target. I don't want to discourage anyone from chipping in. If you feel you want to do your bit, I actively encourage that, but we are pretty delighted. (laughs) We are. We're pretty delighted. uh, I mean, we're pretty delighted with life right now. We're sitting in Garden Square in Melbourne Park. The sun is finally shining. Um, I finally have sunglasses on, despite the fact we're we're sitting in the shade uh, because David doesn't want to get sunburned. Well, none of us want to get sunburned, but David is particularly concerned. I'm closer um, to the sun than you. About the burning Aussie sunshine i refuse to take my sunglasses off because it i've been here three days and it's my first opportunity to wear them and i've, I've not been too happy about that but uh, all is well with the world now over at the mcg a stone's throw away england are thrashing australia in the first of the one day series brackets that information may not be current at the time of listening <laughs> or accurate generally <laughs> yeah uh, no we've just waited a, smith and warner we've waited a long time to be able to say that We've waited a long time for all of it, David. Yeah. All this good news. It's too much all at once, isn't it? It is a bit. Um, yes, its uh, it's been an extraordinary uh, process doing, doing the Kickstarter. Thank you so much. I had to just basically get it all out of my system in the form of a blog. So if you'd like to read that. I'll tell you what, it's a good blog. It's, oh. I'm, relu- I'm reluctant to uh, shower the man to my left with um, too much credit so early on in the podcast, but... It's a heck of a blog. I mean, I I already knew all the information contained within it, and I still found it sort of surprising and emotional and, um, yeah, pretty overwhelming to read. So please do take the time to read David Law's blog. Thanks, Catherine. Now, on to all things tennis. You can hear the thwack 
of tennis balls in the background. It's a lovely sound, isn't it? Great word. And in fact, there's more hustle and bustle going on uh, in Melbourne Park today than there would normally be on the Sunday on the eve of the tournament because, of course, they've had so many qualies matches oh, yeah. carried carried over to today because, I know I keep banging on the weather, about the weather, but it, it really has been awful. Well, to, to put it into perspective, la- you know, we, we over the last couple of days have been following, I think, the one British player that was left in the qualies, which was Naomi Brody. And, you know, she, she's been trying to get her second round match played for about two days and, and she just couldn't do it. And she then warmed it, up four times, she said, yeah. on Friday and her match was finally called off at about 11.30pm, I yes, think. Uh, in, uh, and didn't she get on court late at night and then she ended up, well, she went out. She and went out, felt yeah. very sorry for her and, and, many, and so many of the players. It, it, look, tennis is a fantastic lifestyle uh, in, in so many different ways, but when you come to these Grand Slam tournaments and, and see the players in the qualies, I mean, that, that is a tournament in itself. It's three rounds, it's it's, uh, I think it's 96 players in the women's draw and, and 128 in, in the men's here. It, a conversation it's, we're, it's professional. Sorry, David. It's a professional sport at its most raw. Yes. Qualies. I mean, it really. There's something so exposing and raw about watching qualies tennis. Yeah. So there's no, there's nowhere to hide. Because if you qualify. It, all your dreams have come true in a way you're into the main draw of a Grand Slam tournament if you don't it must be so hard to stomach you know you've put all that work and you've come all this way and you've got that close and and yet here there were so many of the players having to play their matches indoors indoor tennis matches at a Grand Slam because of the rain yeah there's 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 as much on the line in qualies as there is in in the in the actual Grand Slam final somehow I know there's not the same you know points or money but re- relative to to what it means to to the respective players there is as much on the line but anyway Collies is finally finally drawing near to a conclusion there was a point yesterday when the torrential rain was pounding down and I was stood uh, in uh, Yarra Park without any kind of umbrella or or have you got um, any video or Mac or any um, photos Parker of that, or um, Kagul of that. any ty- of any kind, uh, when it seemed like maybe qualies would never end, but uh, it does look like now with the uh, the sunshine, they will finally get it completed. And David and I uh, have spent the last couple of days. How many press conferences and interviews, <laughs> David, have we attended between us in the uh, last 48 there was hours? A, there was a magnificent moment when uh, the Australian Open sent an email through to us all revealing who was going to be attending press conferences and when. And on Saturday, I think there were 13 players due to go into the main room of the, the, of the, of the interview room. And on Sunday, there was one, Roger Federer. He, he got star billing, surprisingly. Federer could have said he wanted to do press uh, at two o'clock in the morning in uh, in the middle of Yarra Park, and uh, everyone would have said, "Okay, yeah, we'll be there." <laughs> I mean, uh, we've we've just come out of there incidentally. That was uh, about an hour ago, and I, I, I sat on the front row because, uh, you know, quite quite frankly, uh, my eyesight's not too good. So I think if I get at the front, you know, best chance. Um, but I, I had a look behind me. And it was still 15 minutes until he was due to come in, and the place was absolutely packed to the rafters. Thronging. I had to sit in the area where, technically speaking, you, you weren't allowed to sit, but there were so few seats available, it, had, it suddenly became an area where you were allowed to sit. Um, I mean, yeah, it was very literal standing room only. And that but yesterday... And he, and he spent it 
he spent it just telling us all about how great his life is. Actually, let, I tell you <laughs> what, really let's, funny. let's start with Federer, given he's the defending men's champion, because the the biggest takeaway from me for from the press conference i mean you know he answers every question interestingly it doesn't matter how bad your question is and i tell you there are some shockers in these things a number of them asked by me but the the, the thing of note for me is how he manipulates in his mind the situation so that he can have it as he wants it now one of the questions I asked of him early on was, um, how do you feel sitting in this chair right now in terms of expectations versus how you felt exactly a year ago when you'd had months and months out of the game and you didn't, I guess you didn't know what to expect, bloke ends up winning it, you know, and here he is now, world number two, he's won two more Grand Slams, seems to be fully healthy, um, and how does he feel differently? As part of that and on one of his other answers, he was explaining how he doesn't view himself as the favourite because 36-year-olds shouldn't be favourites for tennis tournaments. And I got the sense that he was, he's, almost, he's almost manipulated the facts in a way to suit his agenda and make himself the underdog in his own mind. Yeah, because that was one thing that, was, that I particularly remember from his equivalent press conference this time last year. And again... Uh, it was in response to a, a David Law question, What's you know, like the, the Paxman of tennis. Oh, David. good. Uh, yeah, you asked him how he was enjoying being an underdog for, you know, a proper underdog for one of the very first times in his career, and he said, "Yeah, I love it." <laughs> he really, and he really seemed genuinely to enjoy not being a favourite. So you're absolutely right that it's completely the reverse situation this year, and yet he's still he didn't finding to, a way did to enjoy the same sensation. I mean, he was. <laughs> there was a great question later on when they said, "You know, are you enjoying this point of your career more than any others?" And he sort of said, "Well, actually," and he started scanning it, well, back no, through he, his at career. First, didn't at first, he? he said, "Yeah," and then he went, "Oh, but." Um, you know, it, he basically said, "Yeah, it's all been great." He said, "You know, when I was young and I was getting to play all my heroes that I saw on TV, that was great. And then, you know, when I was world number one and winning everything, that was really great. <laughs> and then, you know, when I was an underdog last year, that that was great too. And, and then, then also now is really great. <laughs> <laughs> and then so it's all just been so great. And then he was referring back to the match he played against Nishikori last year when he said I was five love down in the first set and I, you know, I fought back to five all, almost won the set and he said I, I ended the set and I, I thought to myself, well I'm probably going to lose. You know, uh, <laughs> but at, least I, at, least I, at least I fought. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I may as well just go for it. And, it. and it struck me how much he enjoys that sort of fatalistic element to being the underdog of thinking well I may as well just go for it and and he's trying to recreate that in his own mind he is so loose here it, it's it's comical to watch yesterday before or before Rafael Nadal's press conference yesterday the International Tennis Writers Association announced that they were presenting their ambassador of the year award to two people funny that two people sharing the award sure I've heard that somewhere before and they were presenting it to Rafael Nadal and to Roger Federer, and they presented that in front of the the assembly. Catherine Whittaker there. <laughs> uh, they, they, they presented it to the in front of the assembled media, and it was the interaction between the two that I found highly amusing. For a start, that they they really enjoy each other's company, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. You've probably noticed that over the years. But there was a moment where Federer. Having finished his little photo shoot for this, he wasn't doing his press conference that day. Rafa was, was said, right, we'll get on with the press conference, somebody said. And, uh, and Roger goes, yeah, enjoy your press, Rafa. 
like this. And um, and he was he was really amused that Rafa was going to have to do his press and he didn't have to. That day. Um, but the the interaction between the two is is one of Roger Federer basically laughing at the expense of everybody, but in the nicest possible way. Yeah, they, I mean, it's all too too nice between... McEnroe wouldn't like that, would he? Wouldn't be having oh. any of that. I think even McEnroe's been won over by the, the loving of it all. And you, but you're supposed to love aggro, David. I know, but he just kind of wins you over, doesn't Have he? Have we had any aggro in press conferences? No, we or haven't press had... press conference correspondent. I think the only aggro, and it's a serious point, is over... About ten minutes after we recorded our previous um, podcast, Billie Jean King came into the, the interview room, and she's been invited back here, I think, is, is it 50 years or 40 years after her, her triumph, her last triumph here, something like that, 40 years after? And she's been honoured here at this tournament. They've also announced uh, a number of measures to, to, to celebrate equality at this tournament and they decided they would put up Billie Jean King for a press conference to, to talk about this. Unfortunately, from, from their perspective, that opened the doors to a question about the Margaret Court Arena and whether... Which was Billie, always going to happen. Which, whether Billie Jean King thought that, that, that it should be renamed or not. That question was always going to yeah. be asked. And Billie Jean King was not prepared to... To mix, to mince her words. Nor and should she be. Nor, nor would anyone expect her to. But it, it was awkward, yeah. wasn't it? She was sat next to Craig Tiley, and she said, "I think it should be renamed. You, you, your, your legacy isn't necessarily safe. Your, your tennis achievements cannot be kept entirely separate from your world views, especially if you're going to be intent to express those views so widely." Um, and she said that if she were a player now, being asked to play on Margaret Court Arena, she would refuse to. Yeah, very strong words. She felt it should be renamed and that she would, if she were a player, boycott that particular court. Obviously, as a result of that, all the players that came in for their press conferences yesterday were asked whether they would be prepared to boycott that court. And for me, every single player, I didn't see every single press conference, but for me, I found every single response disappointing. I know, I know they just want to focus on the tennis and they don't want to be drawn, but pretty much everyone I saw said, well, I don't make the decision, so... Which is the most facile, redundant point ever. I mean, so what, so you're not allowed to have an opinion about something which is largely outside... I mean, first and foremost, I think they are in a position to have some impact on the situation. And secondly, even if they weren't, you can still have an opinion about it. It, it felt, and I don't, ha- I don't know this for a fact, but it felt as though they'd been given a line to say as, as what might be a good idea to say, i.e. To, to keep out of it, say that the tournament makes those decisions it's not up to me but I'll it, play wherever I'm told to play but if one of them felt play. so that, that very well may be the case and we know that sort of thing does does happen but if one of them felt so inclined they are you know individuals with their own mind one, one of them could freely have spoken up had they, had they wanted to now I get that they're here to play tennis they're here to try and win the tournament What? why should they stick their head above the parapet and uh, you know attract the sort of attention which could I suppose potentially damage their attempts to to win this tournament i get that but it's still disappointing there were a few players who said look i don't agree 
with what Margaret Court has been saying. But that's hardly a that, that's hardly a badge of honour, is no, it? I I I, I no, don't but, agree with outrageously but they, look, they probably prejudicial remarks. They probably didn't want to th- be throwing the tournament under the bus either, though, did they? You know, they're about to play the Australian Open. I think, you know, yes, it would it it would be hugely impressive if somebody was prepared to, 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 to make that sort of stand. But I can kind of understand the other side, how they feel about it as well. Because... Yeah, I've just said the same. I understand it, but I find it disappointing. I find it disappointing that there wasn't somebody somebody prepared to stick their neck on the line. I mean, it, it'll, it'll Murray, happen when the Legends event kicks off and Martina Vratilova has her say. Yeah, but well, for sure. There's well, no way she's playing do on you there, think? But. Do you think Andy Murray would have said something? I, was, I brought that up yesterday uh, with a few colleagues. I think probably, yeah, I do. I, he certainly wouldn't have trotted <laughs> out the line about um, it, it, it's not my decision. I, 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 I'm not saying he necessarily would have been as as forthright as I would like to hear somebody be on the subject um, but I think he would have I don't think he would have twiddled his thumbs and said nothing at all of, of substance what mm. do you think? I, well I tell you I, I think he'd have said something as well one, one point one small counterpoint that somebody uh, I read suggested might be pertinent here is are the media going to refuse to cover that court if they feel so strongly about it is is that is that a parallel to be made i don't know i mean I don't know that's, inter- should that's we interesting should we commentate on it? it incidentally it's not something that we've actually debated is it the, the naming of the margaret court arena and I, I have to say as repulsed as i am by margaret court and everything she she stands for aside from playing good tennis I am torn on the issue with the naming of the court and, and the protection of, of one's legacy and whether it, it can be um, quarantined from the, the one's personality. Because, you know, if you delve too deep into people's personal views, you know, go back 100 years, probably everybody that did anything of any note was probably an outrageous homophobe and, and, and or probably racist as well. You know, there was a time back in the day when people just were that that's how the world was and we know now that that was dreadful and thankfully things move on but if you start thinking like that if you start thinking oh well we, maybe we should check whether that person was a, a dreadful homophobe or you know if we start writing off people's achievements because they were you know dreadfully sexist <laughs> where where will it end so yeah. I, I i do think there is a if it, it a, there's a slippery slope argument to, to be had. I don't find it cut and dry, and yet I don't feel comfortable. You know, I can see the big sign for Margaret Quarterina. I don't. It, it feels a bit tone deaf, particularly in the context of the cultural shift that's happening in Australia with with the gay marriage vote. It it it, it just doesn't quite feel right. The Australian Open, Craig Tiley w- was saying that it's, it is not a tournament decision. It, ha- it, it is much wider than that. It's to do with the, the state of, of uh, Victoria and, and Melbourne, etc., etc. But it's not changing anytime soon. That much is clear. Other stuff that players talked about. I mean, there were a lot of players. They all, basically, all the big names came in to talk. I, I would say 
the most interesting press conference of the whole day and of the whole weekend was that of Stan Wawrinka. Absolutely. Um, who, it was quite comical because they put a, there's, there's a screen in the media area showing all the players when they're coming in and which room they're going to go in. There's a main interview room where all the biggest names go in and I guess the local players from Australia as well, where you're going to get the most interest. There's a lot more seats in there. And then there are, there are two or three other rooms, smaller, fewer seats, for players that are not going to attract so much interest. You can't have them all in the big room because there's too many players. Stan Wawrinka was down to go in room two, which probably would have housed about, I don't know, 15 people, something like that. And just just with a couple of minutes to go until he's about to come into the room, there was this massive queue to try to get into room two because everybody wanted to speak to Stan Wawrinka. We haven't seen him in months. And, uh, and he's obviously been out. He's a former champion. He had pulled out a tie break. He progressively pulled out of every warm-up event yeah. that he had scheduled. That, that, so there's a lot of interest, and, and sensibly the tournament realised the situation. They immediately moved him into the main room, and there we sat, myself, on the front row again because I wanted to have a nice, cosy little chat with Stan. He put a little uh, David Law sign on that seat on the front row. Yeah. DL. Yeah, Reserve, reserved for the law. The the Paxman of, of tennis. Yeah. So anyway, I, I sat down and my first question to Stan really, was... Sorry, I, f- I feel like I should put that... Me- yeah. <laughs> if anybody took that seriously, they would think you were the biggest twerp in the world. <laughs> Thanks very much. So well, I do feel I mean, there are, that you know, that was a joke. there are those that would say that that is accurate. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I opened that press conference with, welcome back, Stan. How are you? <laughs> and uh, and he, he proceeded to trot out chapter and verse of what the last few months have been like. He had a sort of cathartic experience with you, didn't he? He did a bit and, and it was pretty dark, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know Stan Wawrinka particularly well. I've met him a few times and, and he, he's quite reserved and and fairly quiet, quite reserved. Uh, we, oh, we've got an official here who's just having a chat with various people in the, in the Garden Square crowd and he's just apologised to me with a little hand signal for interrupting our podcast. It's quite alright, sir. Um, but anyway, Stan... Stan revealed what it's been like the last few months and and like I say he's pretty reserved he's pretty quiet um the best of times I found it probably the most interesting um interview that I've ever heard him give he he was really open and he really just let us all know what what he'd been through and it's not just the surgery and the knee problems that he's had and the physical challenges that he's faced he was he's been miserable and he's found it really hard and he's wondered whether he's ever going to come back and it's the same conversation we had a week ago about Andy Murray these guys can remember so recently their great moments and their uh, their peaks and their, and how it feels to be the best and to play wonderful tennis and suddenly they're faced abruptly with maybe the end of their careers and it's really, it, it, you can see that they're just not ready for that. Stan Wawrinka, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray, they are not ready to give this up. And, and suddenly they're, 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 it's like they're in shock. Yeah, and there was a really nice or interesting line from him about he, he sort of said, you guys, people don't necessarily want to hear about the emotional struggles of a multimillionaire with three Grand Slam titles. But, but why does that make you, you know, everybody's happy to trot out the line, you know, Money doesn't make money doesn't buy happiness, and yet somehow we think these guys are, are less entitled to to strive for dark times than 
than the rest of us and that's absolutely not not the case you can be grateful for what you've got materially uh, and professionally and still face you know some really really dark times you know uh, having the being able to fly in a private jet doesn't doesn't help you very much if you're sat on the sidelines not able to do the one thing that you love doing and that makes you feel fulfilled he said in the french portion of his press conference he he gave he gave a line uh, along the lines of i i i realized that i i can't live without the adrenaline rush of match play and and that's so revealing is he said i've not found any other place I've not found any other substitute any other sort of nicorette patch to supply that adrenaline there's no other place for it and if you if you've become addicted to that adrenaline rush of a match situation over the course of 20 years how on how on earth do you survive without it i found it all incredibly candid i I feel it feels a little bit to me like there are parallels with murray at the u.s open where he's not really ready but he's pushing himself he's trying to force himself I, i hope that by doing so he doesn't do any further damage yeah. to the situation but he's obviously not quite ready but he's going to give it a go he, he said yesterday was when he made his decision to play he, he said I, I'm, I decided I would have a practice session and depending on how that went would, would determine whether I played this tournament and it went well enough in order for him to feel that he could at least play the tournament I, I, just just to finish the point you were making there about, about that adrenaline rush I feel the best these guys can hope for is is to be at peace with the moment that it's time to go and to time to, to retire. in control of it. Yes, and 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 then to, to slowly try to find something that makes them happy and, and fulfilled. It, it's it's a great challenge. Now, again, he was quite understanding that there's a lot of people out there that are far far worse situations. But still, it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't feel um, sad at the fact that it's. It's finite a tennis career, and, and and that your your kind of happiest best moments are perhaps finished when you're 33 or something like that. The the other thing is, I I, I, I truly believe he's not ready really to play this tournament. He said, I have to start somewhere, mm. and this is where he's chosen to start. This is and and we had a bit of that less so from Djokovic, but there was a bit of that in his as well. The other thing I asked Stan was just to clarify and to confirm whether. The quotes that we'd heard from from Magnus Norman, um, uh, or, or from Stan about Magnus Norman's decision to stop working with him and to, and, and to, to basically go and, and spend time with his family, Stan had been quoted as saying, "When I needed him most, it's down. really hard not to have him here." And I, and I wanted to know whether that was accurately reported, whether we fully understand it, stood that he said. It, it is how I feel, but it's it's more sadness. It's not. I'm not angry with him. I'm just sad. I just I just feel like he, I'm so close to him. It, he's more than a friend yeah, to me. Yeah, he did use that. He said more than a friend. You know, yeah. and and it, and it's just it's just torn his heart out, really. And and he's found it very hard to accept that that he when he really is struggling that he hasn't got Magnus to turn to. That's all it was. But you know, it's, it, it was very revealing. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Any other press conferences to report upon of note, David. I was going to mention, um, seems ages ago now, because she was the very first person to come in yesterday, but Sloane Stevens, of course, US Open champion, she seems to me to be, I, I know she's had knee, inju- knee issues, but um, she, she said herself that the, the knee's fine. That was one of the first things she said in a press conference. She seems mentally and attitude-wise... To, to me and I think to everyone in, in, in the room who was left a bit kind of, I don't know, cold by yeah. uh, by the experience of being in her press conference. press conference. It really was. I mean, I don't, it's, it's difficult to read too much into it because she just didn't give anything. But certainly it wasn't the Sloane Stevens that was just so pleased and grateful to be back on a tennis court and had the, the hunger that we were so delighted to see in her over the, the US hard courts and, of course, at the US Open. It just seemed like an enormous regression there was a real attitude on her wasn't there it was a it was I don't know it was bizarre and she's got a tough draw I think she hasn't she got Zhang Shui I could I could see a first round loss coming there for Sloane Stevens it could well be Uh, what what struck me was how little she'd enjoyed the aftermath of winning that Grand Slam title and she said it herself she said um, you know I found it tough. I, I I did three and a half hours of media work straight after winning that US Open final. Um, I now only do mandatory things. She sort of very proudly declared yeah. to a room full of journalists with a big smile on her face, I now only do what's mandatory. Yeah, and I just, which I, I actually of... said to her, oh, thanks. You know, which, but it's, I, I understand where she's coming from, but, you know, it, it actually provoked a, a, a thought to me that with some players, 
is winning worth it? Once you've, you know, does she, and, and the final question to her in the press conference was, do you actually want to win the Australian Open? That was the gist of it. And she said, oh, yes, I do. But honestly, I was sitting there thinking, I, I almost think she could do without that because she, because it's too much hassle. And, and watching Angelique Kerber win in Sydney, it made me think, you know, there was a great tweet put up by Courtney Nguyen of the, the WTA about the final event of the year that Angelique Kerber played in Zuhai. And when she lost the match to Ash Barty, she burst into tears as she was leaving the court and she said, apparently, finally, the year is over. And, and she's obviously gone through a really tough year as the world number one for much of it and, and just not feeling comfortable. It's just not her. And she'd won all that stuff in 2016. And for some players, and that, that underlines to me how great Serena Williams is and how much of a champion she is and how much of a champion Federer and Nadal and all these multiple Grand Slam champions are because they take all this stuff, they do the winning, they, do the, they, they live the life, and, they, and they're not just champions on the court. They're, they're able to handle it off the court. Not everybody can. And, and I'm, I'm not having a go. It's, I don't want to have a go at Angelique Kerber because I think she seems a really nice person. And, and, but some people are not as cut out for that as others. We have an order of play, David, for day one. We do. Can I just say before we reveal the order of play, just a word about Novak Djokovic as ah, well. Yes. Who, 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 is, who is practising on Rod Laver Arena as we speak, but yeah. we were denied access. We David. were. but his, his... Access denied to the tennis podcast. Oh, who'd have thought that, eh? Well... We'll be back tomorrow. But Djokovic came in and, first of all, he was asked a question about his, his rejigged serve, which is designed to take uh, pressure off the, the, the elbow problem that he's had. And he was... He basically ignored that question and, and, uh, until the, the end of his five-minute answer, which was to say, I've really missed you all. I'm really happy to be back. And, um, and I have had a... a this has been the story of my my time out of the game and he was much more sunny than Stan Wawrinka for the first I'd say seven or eight minutes of his press conference and then when we started to get into the details of the elbow injury and what it was and what the what the the future looks like for it the shutters came up a bit and and you started to realize actually Novak Djokovic he isn't quite ready either really um, I, I said to him you know what what is the difference between now ahead of the Australian Open and a couple of weeks ago when you when you had to when you had a flare-up and you were unable to play in Abu Dhabi and, and Doha and he said well you know we we've looked at it and he obviously had only last week made the decision to play here and and he he did confirm that he has not had surgery but he did not rule out my reading was that he did not rule out needing surgery after this tournament. So or an Andy Murray-esque situation, as of maybe not as dramatic. Ago, I think he can play the same sort of situation whereby surgery is an option, yeah. but he's trying to exhaust and, other and avenues. Before. Look, he didn't say that explicitly. My reading was though that there are things that can be done, is what I think he said, and I suspect we haven't seen the last of his challenges. That that was, you know. That was my that was my reading of it, but very interesting to see him in there. Samana Halep seems very happy to be world number one. What's and, going on? And what's going on with the world number one without a clothing deal? Well, I know. Yeah, she's no longer with her clothing company Adidas. They've they've decided we, to stop sponsoring they've her. They've ditched her. They yeah. have decided to stop sponsoring. Well, they the just world didn't renew the the, the contract. Co- what as it on expired. earth is go- 
what is going on there? Apparently they decided to put their resources into Garbini Magarutha, I think they're also with. Um, they've only got they've got only got enough for one I don't player. Know. I don't know the story. They, they don't they don't want world number but, ones. But I asked I, I did say to, to Simona, um so when you haven't got a clothing supplier, do you go to the shop? Did did no one else snap her up? She is she wandering around in sort well, of I think they're Primark's best. <laughs> Negotiations are ongoing, I think, with various uh, companies at the well, moment. The Australian Open starts in 20 well, hours. No, it's not going to happen. I, so I said, what did you do? Did you go to the shop? And she says, no, I did it online. I said, what do you mean you did it online? She says, I, I, I found a seamstress online and I put my order in and 24 hours later a dress came. <laughs> so she's got one dress for the whole time. No, she's got lots of dresses because she can afford lots. So she had right. lots of them. Okay. But, but she said it's a very basic dress. But that's how, that's how it works. I fi- do you not find that extraordinary? I, 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 the, I'm we've very got surprised. A world number yeah. one. I'm very surprised. But anyway, she seemed really happy in her own skin. I think we, I think we're going to get a really good performance out of Simona Halep at this tournament. I think being number one makes a huge difference to her in terms of how Just she not sees to herself. Adidas, yeah. Well, that's their decision, isn't it? She'll end up with a fantastic. Deal, I'm sure, very soon. I, I suspect that will right be announced to. pretty soon. Um, Johanna Conta was in. I thought she was in great form. That's probably one of the best press conferences yeah. I've ever seen from her. Yeah, she's 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 definitely relaxed with with the media, hasn't she? I mean, there's still a there's still a barrier there. She doesn't want to re- reveal everything. She is that kind of character, um, and that's that's absolutely you know everyone's everyone's different and uh, that's absolute i'm i'm fine with that but she's she's finding ways to to relax and reveal a little bit more of herself isn't she and it's all it's all good stuff like yeah. every bit that she reveals is likable and engaging and interesting and she was particularly uh, interesting talking about michael joyce and and how different his methods are to wim fisset she she said he's more of a an instinctive um, what was the other word she used? Uh, a more he uses feel. He uses feel. What is he? She said it's less technical and less kind of specific. Less, you know, put more tops on your forehand and more kind of general. What you want to be doing with the ball and the way you want to be feeling on a court. And uh, you know, people need different coaches for different times of their career, don't they? I think you know, it's not one technique is better than another. You know, there was a time in. Grigor Dimitrov's career when he, he needed Roger Rashid to harden him up physically yeah. and there was a time when uh, he needed Peter McNamara earlier on in his career to kind of tell him some home truths about being a professional tennis player and what he needs now is Danny Velvedu who's kind of a friend and confidant and emotional support system and a very good coach you know it, it, there's a different a different person for different stages of your career and it sounds to me um, that he's the right man for now and she seems to be in such a different place to at the end of last season I know we didn't hear that much from her at the end of last season we were kind of guessing about what she was going through but she pretty much confirmed for us how hard it, it was she said the she'd hit the wall she was, did, was yeah. what she said and, and, and that, that tallies doesn't it with, with what we saw Nick Kyrgios kind of similar in terms of just I thought he was in great form. Yeah, a slight, a slight movement on, and I mean, he uses the word, used the words, "I've matured a bit." And you, you had a chat with him one to one, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I've, I, um, I'd been to the press conference, so I'd, I had observed kind of what was getting good answers, what what he was getting animated about talking about. He obviously absolutely loves talking about his foundation. He, he sat down and he. he 
very meticulously placed his uh, foundation, Nick Kyrgios Foundation branded baseball cap with it, its spanking new logo. It's a nice logo, I quite like it. He positioned it so it would be, you know, front and centre on, on camera, you know, fine. He, you know, it's obviously as big a focus for him at the moment, if not more so than tennis. And, and he doesn't see them as sort of mutually exclusive endeavours. He's, you know, he talked in that Player's Voice article about how the foundation's giving him purpose and it's motivating him on the court. Fine, whatever works for you. If it, if it means that we have a Nick Kyrgios that fulfils his potential, brilliant. And he seemed relaxed. He seemed, there definitely seemed a shift to me in his relationship with the Australian media in the room, there wasn't that sort of defensiveness and hostility, and that that feeling of that the, the heckles didn't seem to be up, you know, on either side. Um, and that's that's good progression. And uh, I still worry whether physically he's going to be all right. Yeah. That that's the concern. Well, but but I don't see any other impediments this tournament to him succeeding, other outlook, than the physicality. His outlook generally can change on on a, on a single point. He, he can get he, his mood can change and I think we saw that in that match that he had on High Sense Arena last year when he should have won the match and he ended up losing it in five and it was, it was frustrating um, and then he had those that wonderful run at Indian Wells and Miami that's what you want to see if you can string that together for a couple of weeks we're in for a treat so now it's been can a I mention yeah, the order of play? Just order quick, of play. I mean, I'm not going to run through the whole thing because you might be listening to this with half of it having already been played, or who knows. But I am going to ask you to pick out your your the ones that are they're glinting at you in the sun, well, David. I mean, there, there's one very the, obvious glint. The match isn't of there? the day is quite clearly Venus Williams against Belinda Bencic, oh. who, I, who I saw wandering around today. No, I think she only had one journalist who needed to speak to her today, but. I don't know, you get a sense of somebody in a way when you see them around, just just buzzing around. She just looked so confident in her own skin. Belinda Bencic, yeah. this is, yeah. So ready for what's coming up. I, th- I, mean, I think she's winning that. I, I said it a couple of days ago, I'll say it again. Let's not say I think Venus is going to roll over or do anything wrong, but I mean... That's, that's as tough as they come if first round. Ostapenko Skiavoni, yeah, incidentally, I mean, two French Open fi- uh, yeah, champions, champions against one another. Uh, on the men's side, what's catching your eye, David? Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Kyle Edmund against uh, Kevin Anderson, which I think is first up there on, on Showcourt 3. But it, it is first up on Showcourt 3. We'll be covering that for Eurosport. You'll be covering it for, for Five Live, yeah. presumably. Um, there's another one, though, isn't there? There's another, there's another glint on the paper. What's that there oh, on, yeah. on show court third on show court two? Stefana Sitsipas against Denis Shapovalov. Approximately, I'm going to try and gauge what time that'll be on. So there's two women's matches before it, so we're looking at one 3 p.m. local time. So that's uh, 4 a.m. UK time, which I I accept is not necessarily a convenient hour of the day <laughs> on a Monday morning. However, we expect you I, to be watching or I listening. I strongly to it. urge you to wake up for that because uh, it's going to be special. In fact, wake up even earlier than that and watch uh, Venus Williams against Belinda Bencic on Eurosport, and then uh, go onto the Eurosport player and watch Sitsipas uh, against Shapovalov, and then night session listen to David Law on uh, Five Live. Yeah, Nadal against Estrella Ber- Burgos, and then Gavrilova's playing. Uh, yeah, so it's frankly, about hundred years old, Estrella Burgos, isn't he? <laughs> He's, he's older than Roger Federer, which is which is good Same going. Um, but we were only going to talk for twenty five minutes. But um, oh well. but David David wrote me a note halfway through saying this is really good. <laughs> Let's carry on. 
I'm enjoying <laughs> the sound so, of my own voice. Says so himself. Um, we have been, it has been really good. It's been great. I'm just so delighted the sun's shining. I can't, uh, I can't get enough of it. And uh, I can't wait to check uh, the cricket score again because I feel very positive about that. So we've been the tennis podcast, our first, I guess this counts as the first of our Grand Slam dailies of the 2018 tennis season funded by you the listeners we are so so grateful for that we are so so grateful for everyone that has supported us in particular Triple S Melanie Bowes and Tennis Balls our executive producers for the year of 2018 we should probably also mention Charlie the ferret who is our official tennis podcast mascot for the year we should mention Lamanga who have given me probably a world beating forehand if I could only get my backhand up to scratch I would definitely be uh, in line for some kind of wild card at some kind of grand slam but I'll have to work on the backhand next time around uh, and we of course as always are brought to you in association with Eurosport and The Telegraph and we'll be back tomorrow Normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 